everyone. Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two women, wives, and moms who like girls but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation where we will talk about the real highs and lows of life as disciples with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. In this episode, we discuss asexuality and what it means for both single and married Christians. We also talk about the pitfalls of this topic. Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the beautiful messy home from beautiful messy home podcast. We have officially landed on that as our takeover name. And again, this is Morgan and Ellen, and uh, we are standing in for Thomas and Topher and very excited to be um, to have you listening with us again. It is an honor to be on this podcast. I like our new our new name, Morgan, because um, it is beautiful. Our mess, our chaos, it's ours, but it is beautiful. It is. And just so everybody knows, we loved everybody's suggestions um, who sent them over. But as we were talking about it, we were like, oh, it's chaotic doesn't really describe us all that much. Both Ellen and I are pretty type A, pretty organized, not typically chaotic. Our lives feel chaotic. There's no doubt Mm -hmm. to that. But for the most part, we felt like, okay, they might be messy. It might be all over the place, but there's definitely a beauty that comes with it. So there is the reasoning behind the name. And uh, today we are going to be talking about a topic that I, I um, was not super familiar with uh, and really in the realm of sexuality. I think the term has been thrown around and uh, you might know about it. You might not know about it. So you might learn something new, but we are covering asexuality today. Yeah. So we got this question. Is it wrong to be asexual? I get this question a lot, actually. Like, I feel like people don't even know what to ask about asexuality. They're just even not really sure, you know, what to think about it. Um, So I I just get some like nebulous questions about it a lot. But yeah, I think underneath that, people just want to know foundationally, is it wrong to be asexual? So I think, you know, first we have to define what is asexuality, right? Um, Asexuality is a term used to describe someone that has little to know sexual attraction toward others. So I don't know, Morgan, is that inherently sinful to not have sexual attraction toward others? I think there's a lot here. There, there is a lot. And truthfully, I'm, I'm pretty excited to unpack this today, uh, mostly because I think sexuality as a whole is very, uh, I don't know, it's a taboo topic, right? I think Thomas and Topher mm-hmm. mentioned that. I mean, that's the realm that we live in. Uh, and I do think that when it comes to sexuality, whether you're heterosexual, you're same-sex attracted, or you categorize yourself as asexual, we know people that have categorized themselves as asexual. Um, it is important to know what the Bible says when we're talking about something being sinful. So I would say no. The answer um, as far as is it inherently sinful? Uh, no, but it, if anything, um, it's not. But if anything, uh, I think it just gives us an opportunity to open up the door to 
talk about um, what God's desire is for the sexual uh, standard, you know, for the people that he created. Uh, And that if you do identify as asexual, what he wants from us is to remain sexually pure and to be holy uh, in what we do. So I don't think it's inherently sinful, but I think how we approach the subject, how we talk about it, um, I do think is pretty important. Yeah, I love the way that you said that. Yeah, because for sure, right, asexuality, uh, we live in a society, and I think even our church culture is geared toward behavioral modification, right? We want to know what behaviors are right and what behaviors are wrong. Unfortunately, where it gets messy and tricky is that we serve a God that's much more interested in the heart of the matter, right? And our heart informs our behaviors, but it does not completely make up our behavior. So does the behavior of asexuality, is that sinful? No, I agree with you. I mean, if anything, if someone has a lower um, sexual desire that could help them be pure, right? Um, but it could also take away from their purity. Let's say if it was, for example, in a marriage, right? Or, or even in their understanding of God's design for sex and sexuality. So no, I don't think the the behavior or even the identification as, you know, experiencing asexuality is sinful, but I agree there's a lot more to unpack here. And and really at the root of this is the heart of wanting to understand God's design for sex and sexuality and how that informs our relationship and connection with him. Certainly if someone identified as asexual and just left it as that, there's a lot that they would miss in what is offered in our understanding of God and his desire for connection with us through sex and sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you touch on a really really great point, which I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, which especially in the Christian culture can be a topic that we don't engage in often, which is our sexuality as a whole until Mm -hmm. it becomes something that is problematic or sinful. Then we engage in the conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about uh, us as sexual human beings, I think one question that comes up a lot is like, okay, well, did God make me this way? Did he make me mm-hmm. asexual? Did he make me same-sex attracted, right? Like we hear a lot of those questions as people are on a journey to figure out their sexuality, right? right? So I think it's important to remember that we're created in God's image. We all um, have some variance of sexuality. Again, where you fall on that spectrum, only you know. But I do think that God created us to be sexual beings because we were made in his image. Um, And the the language God uses in the Bible to describe himself and his relationship with us. uh, Therefore, the scriptures tell me that, wow, God must be sexual if he's talking about this in, uh, in such descriptive language then it's okay for me to be and to engage in these conversations. And I say that with a big caveat because I do think a lot of people will be like, well, if you open up the door, if you open up Pandora's box, people are going to struggle or this might make it harder for them. And there may be those outlier cases. However, I do think sometimes we do a little bit more harm by not talking about it because then as we are learning and exploring um, 
who we are as God's image bearers, we don't know how to to navigate this. We don't know how to talk about it or, you know, how to engage in it. Uh, and then one other piece is I, I do think God created us not to be alone. And I think for those that are uh, identify as asexual, I think it can be easier to be alone sometimes because that sexual desire may not be there for uh, someone, someone else. Right. So I do think, um, yeah, Ellen, do you have any thoughts on, on God making us, um, making someone asexual? Yeah, well, I definitely don't think, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head that God created us to be sexual beings, right? There's a lot of euphemism, like sexual euphemism in the Bible, right? Uh, sort of things that if they were said in colloquial terms would have a lot of like wink winks with it, right? Like God says he wants to know us, wink, wink, like a man, <laughs> like a husband knows his wife, right? Like there's a lot of euphemism that God, there's a lot of sexual language in the Bible. And, you know, God refers to his people as his bride and him as the groom, right? Like there's a lot of sexual undertones in not just right song of songs, right? But like the whole Bible in in the metaphor that God uses for how he loves us and how he wants to be loved by us. And so I think that because of that, sex and sexuality is a foundational part of our faith. Understanding it is a foundational part of our faith. Now, whether you're engaging in the physical act of sex on this earth, I don't think matters as much, right? But understanding God's intention for sex and sexuality is foundational to to our faith because it informs the kind of connection that God wants to have with us. So um, I think that no, in that light, of course not. God did not create people to be asexual. I think there's lots of different reasons people could experience asexuality. Certainly something like trauma could be a reason why people experience asexuality, right? Um, you know, they were violated in a way that, you know, um, irreparably damaged their understanding of their own worth and of connection in general. And so because of that, the idea of sex and sexuality is so threatening that they're sort of averse to it. I, I don't think that that is sinful in any way. I do think God grieves and mourns over people who have had that experience and desires for them to better understand the true meaning, the true weight behind sex and sexuality and not, you know, kind of try to repair some of that warped uh, perspective that that individual might have gained from that kind of via violation. I think also, you know, asexuality could also come from just not understanding God and his intention for sex and sexuality. If we look at sex, Satan has distorted sex and sexuality so much in this world. It is not surprising to me that many people are not uh, many people don't find it appealing, right? If we look at it through that lens, it has been stripped so bare, you know, down to tatters of what God intended for it to be. And so sure, I totally get how that would not be appealing to many people. I don't think the answer is to, you know, continue down this earthly identification of asexuality. I think the answer is to understand a much more robust and godly perspective of sex and sexuality. Yeah. And I, I love that you shared that too, because I think for me personally, this has been um, a journey of understanding sexuality coming from having lived a lesbian lifestyle for five years, going into a godly marriage um, to somebody who had saved themselves for our marriage. And here I come in with really all this baggage. And now I'm trying to recalibrate my sexuality from a godly perspective. And that has, man, that has really been a journey because 
it, yeah. like you said, I feel like Satan distorted it in such ways that I had to really dig in with God to like re-identify, okay, what, um, what does my sexuality mean? If I'm not living on this adrenaline of things that I'm not supposed to be doing and engaging in, um, in sex in that way, like, well, what does it mean to be in a trusting, loving, monogamous relationship that brings pleasure to um, the two individuals who are engaging in godly sex? Like that, geez, I I have really been blown away by that because I didn't mm-hmm. think that it had uh, affected me so much. And I actually had somebody at one point say like, well, you're just asexual. And I was like, what? Like how, first of all, like how, how can you even like say that? <laughs> but to, you know, I had like shared part of my story and when they made that comment, I really wrestled with insecurity because I was like, wow, does, does my, um, does my sex drive, does that, uh, is that my identity? Is that something that clearly defines, uh, who I am? And I know that sounds like probably to some of you guys like, that doesn't. But for me in that moment, I think Mm -hmm. when you're coming from a, you know, you mentioned trauma or even from a a life as a lesbian, right? Like there are so many things that I'm, the puzzle pieces that I'm trying to put back together um, that questions like that can just, I don't know, put you on a, a, a spiral of like, well, what does that mean? And am I? And, you know, a lot of, hmm self thought that can that satan can really get in there and and want to cause more confusion or disrupt so um i i can definitely relate even on a personal level and that's a note too to people who don't struggle with same sex attraction or asexuality or you know wherever you fall to to just be careful of the questions that you ask as well um Yeah. And I think you're bringing up something really important. And that is that though we are sexual beings, God created us that way. That's a really foundational part of our faith. We all do experience different levels of sexual desire. And certainly there is no room for shame in that, right? Like none of us should, should, though we certainly do, but I don't think God intended for us to feel shame if some of us have a higher libido and a, or a lower libido, right? Um, those are all within the, the frame that God created us to be sexual beings, even clinically, right? If we take Christianity out of this for a second, clinically, um, you know, like therapists, we learn in in grad school, right? This is what we work through with our our married clients, that there is no normal in terms of your libido or your drive for sex or how frequently you have sex with your partner, right? Like what is normal is what the couple decides on together, right? What the couple can agree on together. There's no clinical, normal, um, you know, frequency of sex or, or hierarchy, uh, in terms of libido. So yeah, I don't think there's any room for shame around that. Some people will naturally have less of a desire for sexual activity and some will naturally have more. I think what we have to do as Christians is get to that place where we're saying, okay, it, this earthly term is not going to become my main part of my identity. My main part of my identity is in Christ. And because of that, I am a sexual being and sex and sexuality can inform my connection with God. So I think when we look at it in that way, whether we're sexually active or not, it's not about saying no to something, right? No to sex or no to asexuality. It's about saying yes to the way that God created us, right? Like instead of 
avoiding certain behaviors, we can look at it through the lens of how did God create me and my sexuality to deeper connect with him and with other people on this earth. And knowing that can really enhance a vibrant connection with God and with other people in our lives, instead of being so concerned with where the red X's go, can't be asexual, can't be too sexual, can't be homosexual, right? Like that's too overwhelming. So let's shift gears as we kind of work towards the end of the podcast. Uh, Let's talk through uh, what the implications are of asexuality for a Christian. And we'll look at this from two lenses, one for those that are single and the other for those that are married, because I think in light of everything that we're talking about, our listeners are anywhere from teenagers to married people, some who are same-sex attracted, some who are not, some who may identify as asexual. So we want to make sure too, as we're sharing about all of this, if you're not married yet, we hope that you find hope in what that connection could be in a godly relationship so that you do have fair expectations, you know, if you do decide to engage in a, a godly marriage. So uh, I don't want you to tune out when we start talking about those who are married or talking to those who are married, because I think there's really good stuff in seeing the stage that could be ahead of you, uh, or even if you choose to be single, you know, there is still such a life of vibrancy if we can in, uh, embrace the sexuality that God has given us. So all that to say, Ellen, why don't you take us through some of those implications um, for those who are single? Yeah, I love how you said that, though, Morgan, that, you know, I think so, so much in the church, especially in church culture, we have said, if you're single, tune out when we talk about married stuff, especially sex, right? And I think that this equally distorts God's perspective of sex and sexuality and what he wants all of us to understand single or married because the fact of the matter is is that we are all married to Christ right like whether you're married on this earth or not we're all married to Christ so we all need to under have a healthy understanding of sex and sexuality so i think you know um the way i kind of view it right is that single people um have or have a really beautiful um benefit in their relationship with God, just as married people do, right? Single people, they get to experience God with an undivided heart and an undivided mind. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Like they don't have to worry about building their children's character and providing for their spouse and connecting with their spouse deeply, right? Those are all beautiful things as well that can also equally inform our relationship with God. But doing that just with God and only with God is something so special that only single people get to enjoy. And And so I think that, you know, um, the Bible, we often misquote this um, idea in the Bible. I hear a lot of people say like, oh, you have the gift for celibacy because you're single and you enjoy it or something like that, right? Like, if you read the Bible, celibacy, you, no one has a gift for celibacy. Like it's not like a fruit of the spirit, right? That you're like, oh, I have this extra ability to be <laughs> single and, you know, not have sex for the rest of my life, right? Like, no, that's not a superhuman ability that God gave some people, but not other people. The gift is celibacy, right? God says celibacy is a gift because you get to experience me fully and wholly without distraction, without a, a divided heart. So I think, you know, that is the gift of asexuality or, you know, experiencing less of a sexual desire or being celibate when you're single, um, 
in, in a, you know, walking with in faith with God is that you get to experience God with that undivided heart. So asexuality can, you know, having less of a desire for sex can really be a gift to experience God in that way, to experience the gift of celibacy. That's great. And I, and I definitely want to reiterate one thing that you said, which I think is incredibly powerful, which is that your identity is not in your sexuality. If you mm-hmm. identify as asexual, that is not who you are to God. That does not, you know, like I, I think I have just watched so many people, especially in today's age, like grab a hold of these labels and identifiers and say, this is who I am. And I think that mm-hmm. it was really great, it, you know, and everything that you're sharing, it's like, wow, you're not, um, you're not a, a higher libido. You're not a lower libido, libido. You're not right. a, a absent libido, right? Like you are exactly who God created you to be. So let's talk through now what some of those implications um, of asexuality are for a married Christian. And uh, I do think that it's, we alluded to a lot of this and we're not going to repeat everything that we said (laughs) prior, but I do think that uh, like Ellen mentioned earlier, you had said right? Satan has distorted sexuality in society today. And Mm -hmm. sex has become objectified. Women have become objectified. Some men have become objectified, right? And I think there is also kind of this, oh, who cares? I can just sleep with them. I only need to sleep with them for a night or it doesn't really matter. But the truth is, and how God explains it, is that sex and the connection and intimacy that is achieved through sex is incredible and and is God-given. And the more we can understand how special it is, uh, I think the more we can engage and connect with God because like, wow, this is a way that he expresses himself to us. Uh, I think in the in the same breath, when we're talking about our marriages and we're talking about intimacy, it is so much bigger than just the act of sex. And that is mm-hmm. something that I've been married for seven years now. And I think Rayshawn and I, we talk about this all the time where, wow, I never knew that emotional, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, all of those things that cultivate intimacy make our marriage so rich. Because even if we didn't have, uh, you know, the emotional piece of it, there would, there would definitely be something lacking because it's when we, uh, when we engage in, in godly sex, it's much more than just, Oh, just a one night stand, or this is somebody I don't care about. It really is somebody who like, wow, I know who you are. I know your heart. I know your highs, your lows, your weaknesses, right? This isn't a stranger. There's such a deep sense Mm -hmm. of vulnerability. And I see the same with God. If we were to engage with God as a one night stand, that would not be a very deep relationship. That would not be something that would really like draw us close to him, right? But being able to be known by God, giving ourselves to God, like we do a spouse, I think can make our lives so rich and so deep in in what uh, true intimacy looks like. Ellen, do you have any other thoughts as far as uh, what those implications are for married people? 
Yeah, I love how you said that. That's so true. And that's part of the benefit, just like celibacy is a benefit for, you know, people who are single to experience God in that way. The benefit to those who are married is that we get an experiential opportunity to experience in real time on this earth, what that kind of oneness looks like that God wants to have with us. Right. And so, yeah, think about what that entails a healthy sexual relationship that has all of those components you were talking about. I think about it like a stool, right? If I sit on a stool that has one leg, physical attraction or sexual attraction, if that, that leg is not sustainable, I've never met a couple who, you know, can sustain long-term connection on just physical attraction or sexual attraction. But if that stool has multiple legs holding that up, right? Your spiritual connection, your emotional connection, your familiarity with e- with each other, your shared common, um, memories and beliefs and your, uh, you know, playfulness together, right? All of those components also exist in the act of sex. And so I think that is why this is so foundational to our understanding of God and what he wants in relationship with us. There is a deep vulnerability. There is a component of naked and unashamed, right? In our relationship with him of playfulness, of childlikeness, right? Childlike vulnerability, of familiarity, right? All of these things that you see in a sexual relationship, in a healthy sexual relationship, relationship we God wants to see in his relationship with us so if someone is experiencing asexuality in marriage um, or you know a, a lack of libido if you will right in a marriage is that a problem inherently no now that might be an issue f- with their partner and they might need to go get some help for that and that's normal and to be expected but having a lack of uh, sexual drive in a marriage is not inherently sinful, but stopping it at that could become sinful, right? Because we we um, inhibit our ability to really learn the depths of what God wants in connection with us. So your actual sexual drive is not necessarily the issue, but not engaging in the gift of marriage to better understand our connection with God could definitely become sinful. Then it could lead to other sins, right? You're not meeting the needs of your partner and uh, emotional, physical needs of your partner, right? Um, So uh, if someone is experiencing that, I would encourage you to go get some help in that. But I would say that that's part of the implication for those who are married who experience, you know, um, less of a sexual drive in marriage is that it cannot hinder our relationship with God or our understanding of God. That's the biggest um, fallout from that in a marriage, right? The the next fallout would be the, you know, the effects it would have within the marriage on the couple, but the biggest issue would be the effects that it would have on your relationship and understanding of God. Absolutely. Well, we, uh, that about wraps up our podcast today on asexuality. You know, we hope that you, um, enjoyed walking with us as we unpack this again, like we said in the beginning, we know this can be an unfamiliar topic and hopefully you learned something today and we hope that you come back and join us next week for our uh, next podcast. Until then, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.